You're listening to The South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast by Ohio State fans for Ohio State fans on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Welcome back to The South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast by Ohio State fans for Ohio State fans from the West Coast. I'm your host, Zach Moore. Today is Thursday, December 2nd, and I'm very happy to be joined once again by fellow South Stands contributor Paige Van Horn from Denver. PBH, how's it going, my friend? Going well, buddy. It's going well. Not to steal a line from our friend Matt Sloan, but this is truly smiling through the pain. So that's all we can do. <laughs> Amen to that. We are also joined by fellow contributor Chad Plummer from Cleveland. CP, what's the word from the 216? Uh, the word is, is the word. I mean, it's been a long week, man, um, but it's all good. It's good to be on with you boys. All right, good. Uh, yeah, she was under uh, better circumstances, but. It is what it is. It is what it is. Smiling through the pain and it is what it is. That That's uh, the perfect way to, to start this pod. Now, of course, we are here to bring you part two of the Ohio State-Michigan recap. Part one was on Sunday. That was from yours truly. Why don't we call this episode an airing of grievances for Paige and Chad as they haven't, haven't really had the chance yet to share their thoughts on Ohio State's really disappointing 42 to 27 barf fest in Ann Arbor last Saturday (laughs) for the first time since 2016, the Buckeyes will be watching the big 10 title game from their couches like the three of us. So Paige, I want to start with you. What went wrong for the Buckeyes last Saturday in the big house? Everything starting with the weather. It just gave me such a bad feeling. That's (sighs) bullshit excuse, right? Um, (laughs) You know, thinking back on it, I come back to Ohio State played two good teams and they lost both and they lost convincingly. Mm. So, you know, I think, God, we just, you know, I, we all thought we would get a repeat, you know, of the last, what, 15 out of 16 years, especially the last two years. This mm. wasn't meant to be. They got their asses kicked. Yeah. It wasn't even close. I mean, I think back had um, Shaw not intercepted that pass to make, you know, to stop Michigan from going up 14 to nothing. Like they could have boat raced us. Like we've boat raced them the last two years. Like it was that ugly. Could have been, Um, you know, and you know, like you said, like they didn't come to play. They didn't compete. They got pushed around. Like, I mean, that was just astonishing. Um, I was right when I said, Hey, if uh, Jones and Petit Ferrer grade out as champions, we'll be fine. Um, I mean, <laughs> they, they just got abused. So, you know, maybe Hutchinson is that good. Maybe, um, you know, maybe uh, Ojabo is, is that good. I, you know, I still think I, I, th- that to me is the, the, the most troublesome piece of this whole thing is what the hell happened to the offensive line? It's a really good like, question. You know, Michigan wasn't, you know, really stacking the box, right? They, you know, I mean, they were daring us to, to, you know, run the ball and and we could not do it. And it was never more evident than on that first drive coming out of the half, Mm -hmm. right? Ran the ball three times, third and two, and just got blown up, which how many times did Michigan have third and two and they just got it at will? Every single time. Every single time. So uh, what went wrong? Everything went wrong. And I think, you know, we're going to get into it, but I think day 
he better get his ass off the recruiting trail and get back into the Woody and figure some shit out. And I want some heads to roll. <laughs> He's got some systemic problems, not just on the defense. I don't like what's going on on the offense. I think he's got to he's got to take a scorched earth approach to this thing because way too many things went wrong. Mm. And it's not just overreacting to that game. They played a few good game or a few good teams this year. They lost two, and then Penn State gave them everything they wanted. Nebraska gave them everything they wanted. Mm-hmm. It wasn't good enough, and he's got to figure some stuff out. Okay, Chad, how about you? What went wrong for our Buckeyes in Ann Arbor? What went right? That's oh, and, and by the way, I thought this—I I, was—I—I I thought this was going to be uh, a pod regarding the Ohio State Duke basketball game. So, oh, sorry, wait, uh, you didn't get the memo. I'm just going to have to. <laughs> no, I did not, and I, I apologize. But uh, all right, well, so going back to your question, Zach, what happened? Like, I mean, nothing, right? I mean, first of all, they got to Ann Arbor, and Michigan was ready to ball, and. I don't know what the hell we were doing. I don't know what they had going on. They broke curfew on Friday night, but they weren't there ready to play, man. I think they just thought they were going to coast through this game, you know, like, you know, shit, we'll beat these guys. We beat them the last 15 out of 16 years. Mm Who's going to go up there, going to get in college football playoff? But no, they didn't expect, you know, Michigan to just kick their ass on both sides of the ball. And Mm -hmm. it was, uh, it was uh, it was gut wrenching to watch. I'll be honest with you. Um, I didn't watch much of the second half. I was uh, on a little walkabout in Hogan's backyard, uh, just <laughs> puffing down Marlboro lights. Uh, <laughs> but anyways, you know what I mean. It just it really is disappointing. Um, you know, Jack. I know you've mentioned this uh, you know a couple times in our, our thread. Where was Haskell Garrett? Yeah. Um, what what was going on with that defense, man? I just don't, I don't understand it. Um, you know, and, and I try to look back at that mid disparity game the week before, you know, obviously Walker's a, a much better running back. Um, is Michigan's offensive line just that much better than Sparty? I just, you know, I don't know, but it, like we couldn't make a stop. I mean, they yeah. were just, they, they owned us that whole game. We were just their bitch. Mm-hmm. And in the play calling, what is going on there, Ryan? Hey, come on, man. Let's not make this complicated. Just some of these paths and like, like plays, I mean, just frustrating the shit out of me. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree with you, Paige. You already made reference to this. My takeaway, and I mentioned this on Sunday, is that really Ohio State really lost this game in the trenches on both sides of the ball. I, I, I think I called it a prison movie in the trenches. Uh, Michigan had their way with Ohio State up front, both offensively and defensively. That was the difference in the game. The two areas where Ohio State needed to excel to win this game, pass blocking and run defense, they weren't only bad, I mean, they failed catastrophically. Their PFF grades in those two areas were the the lowest of the season by a very wide margin, 30.4 for pass blocking. That's out of 100. That's out of a grade of 100, 30.4 for pass blocking. That was 10 points below their previous low of 40.3 against Minnesota. 
Paige, you were wondering about the, the offensive line. What the hell happened to our offensive line? We really felt like we had good enough offensive linemen to at least draw a stalemate in that matchup. The left side of the Ohio State offensive line, Nicholas petit Ferrer and Thayer Mumford, who were, by the way, just voted consensus first team all Big Ten, received grades of 7.7 and 17.4 for pass blocking from PFF. Seven. I mean, have, has either of you ever flunked a test that badly in your academic careers? I mean, I don't, I don't think, think any I've of us have, right? I mean, 7.7. Can you do one 7? thing for me, Zach? Yeah. Can you, um, just for uh, Mikey Corcoran out there, can you um, PFF? Yeah. Can you explain that to Mikey? Oh, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a website, Pro Football Focus, and they grade every player on every play, <laughs> both like, yeah, right. collegiately <laughs> and in the NFL. This is for our good friend, Mike Corcoran, who claims not to know what PFF is, even though we've been referencing PFF grades on this podcast for over two years now. Anyway, that's for you, Mikey. So- <laughs> The, the left side of the Ohio State offensive line, which, as we all know, is assigned to protecting the blind side of a right-handed quarterback and, and C.J. Stroud, you know, our starting left tackle, starting left guard, both first team, all Big Ten selections, and neither of them graded above 20% for pass blocking, actually well below that. Um, they also allowed 15 of Michigan's 31 pressures on Stroud. Um, and, and then on the other side of the ball, high State's grade for rush defense was 45.4. That's eight points below their previous low, which was against Oregon. Remember that was a, you know, we were a nightmare stopping the run against Oregon. The high, that grade was 53.7. So by comparison, that grade looks great. So bottom line is catastrophic failures at stopping the two things that Michigan does well, getting after the quarterback and running the football. I mean, if Ohio State is just average in those areas, let's say we're talking about like a 50% grade, you know, in both of those areas, they probably win the damn game. Just don't be catastrophically bad in those categories. And it was shocking. It was, it was really shocking to see players of that caliber of Petit Ferrer's caliber and Mumford just get worked as badly as they did. You know, the, look, there was a little extra something, something behind that effort, I think, by Michigan. You, you know, I was thinking back to when we were talking about the, the cancellation of the Michigan game last year on the pod. And we were talking about, hey, maybe this is what Michigan needs is a year off from this game. Right. Just hit the reset button. And and quite frankly, that's what Jim Harbaugh did, or he was at least forced to do it. Right. You know, he, he whether he did it voluntarily or was forced to do it, he cleaned house. Right. He uh, he hired a completely new staff, took a completely different approach to the game. Um, and, you know, I think it also helped that he had a lot of really veteran players, seniors, fifth year seniors who have played in this game a lot, who've suffered a lot of disappointments in this game. And then, of course, Ohio State didn't help matters or didn't help its own case by talking a lot of shit this offseason. Right. I mean, you had the, the Ryan Dare. We're going to hang 100 comments on him, which was referenced in the post game by Michigan, right? Aiden Hutchinson referenced it. You also had that video that was making the rounds on Twitter that of Tyleek Williams stomping on a Michigan jersey. I mean, Michigan used that as motivation, man, and you could see that. I mean, that stuff, I think, really elevated their play. And it makes me wonder now, and we'll get to this later, like without that same motivation against Iowa, you know, coming off the high of beating Ohio State, I wonder, I wonder how they're going to fare Paige, I'm going to kick this back to you. Anything else that you want to mention about just what did not go right for Ohio State on Saturday? It's a little down in the weeds, but it, why didn't Harry Miller play at all this season? He's hurt. and So he is hurt? He's hurt, yeah. Yeah, he's hurt. And that forced a redshirt freshman, Luke Whipler, into, and this is another point I want to make a little later on about Ohio State's youth, but Luke Whipler, true, uh, redshirt freshman, pardon me, 
was their starter at center. Thought he did a pretty good job for the most part, but mm. you know, against that experienced Michigan front seven, right? You got a redshirt freshman at center. Boy, he looked a little jittery, didn't he? Right? I mean, he had yeah. Like, two yeah. two snaps into the turf, including what the the one on the goal line on Ohio State's first possession that uh, Stroud was lucky to scoop off the turf. That was nearly a, I mean, catastrophe there. Yeah, I didn't know. I Like I thought in the beginning of the season, you know, because they don't give injury reports. It's frustrating. You don't right. know. And then did he lose his job? And then he's not available. And so it really wasn't clear to me. But that, you know, yeah, the defense is just getting run over. I, I, I kind of come back to the offensive line and I think they're reshuffling things and mm-hmm. they have guys playing out of position. You got Paris Johnson in there's five-star Harry Miller. You know, Mumford, Petit, they're all five stars. They, they cannot be that bad, right. you know? So I, it, it just, it astonishes me. And Chad referenced the play calling, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't, it, it, I, I fail to understand like why you just don't run five or six yard routes for all those guys. I mean, yeah. I know that's what JSN does, you know, as a slot receiver, but, mm-hmm. you know, he's constantly asking him to make these really, really difficult throws and my god they made some in the second half oh it was god. just astonishing like yeah. you know how they even you know kind of kept us in that game right like we had hope basically up until you know maybe i don't know eight minutes left to go in the fourth yeah. quarter then you just knew that it was completely over mm-hmm. but you know some of those passes that stroud was making and wilson and Olave were bringing in were you know they were amazing, but I just have to think it, it's got to be easier than that. Ruckert doesn't even get a look like how yeah. is Ruckert not a part of he, he can't get one pass. Mind. Yeah. He can't get one pass. Yeah. You know, and I, I feel like, and you know, the, the play calling. So if, if we want to shift to the thing that's driving me absolutely fucking crazy, right? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. You've got Ryan day sitting there making $6 million a year as you know, the head coach and the offensive coordinator. Um, and you've got Wilson sitting in the box, making 1.3 million a year. So who's doing what, why do we need both? Like it's ludicrous to me that this is the game plan that you come up with. I mean, Michigan was daring them to run. We couldn't do it. Um, But when then day passes, like, I I don't know. They, it almost seems to me like they make the game more complicated than it has to be. And if, you know, if you can't make those adjustments, not, you know, like, 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 what are you doing? And I forget what it was the podcast that you sent. And these guys actually had a really astute observation. I thought is that if day doesn't jump out and just boat race you in the first and second quarter, his track record of coming back is not that great. Right. Like it's almost like he's front running as he's as a play caller. Mm. And when it gets, when the games get tight, I wonder if he gets tight. And, you know, I, I don't know why you have those two guys doing it together, either then have Wilson do it or date. I mean, I'm assuming they're just going to get rid of Wilson. I can't believe you're going to keep paying that guy, that kind of money, but the assistant <laughs> coaches are coach not getting this done and it's across the board. And I think day needs it's to take both sides hard. of the ball. Well, of course, but it's not just the defense either stud. No, but- I, I, I mean, that's not good enough. It's not good enough. Ohio mm-hmm. State has had, what, 37 top 100 players in the last four years, which is more than the Big Ten combined. You cannot be this bad. Yeah. I'm sorry. And, you know, no. we're, we're going to get to the point, well, is this season a failure? Yeah, they get an F in my book. because Oh, fuck. 
They all they did <laughs> is beat bad teams, right? <laughs> yep. When they played good teams, they got they they lost, and they were life and death to win the other one, starting with Minnesota. It's not yeah. good enough. Well, you know what drove me crazy is that I feel like this game might have had a different outcome. You go into the locker room at halftime, you get the ball. And you, it, it is a must. Like let's 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 get the momentum turning. Like here, we go down and score on that drive. It's a whole different game. But yeah. No, well, I, I can't remember if it was three and out, but I think it was like I, it I know was we three and out. It was yeah. three runs up the middle, and it was third and two, and they well, lost two yards, and that game was, was that essentially play over. calling there was fucking garbage. Well, on that third down play, they should have checked out of that play because Michigan had seven men in the box. They had the advantage, seven and they six. They did that all day, yeah. Yeah, and uh, they should all have checked. Either, whether that's the experience of the inexperience of a redshirt freshman quarterback who didn't recognize that, didn't check out of that, uh, or day not seeing it, but yeah, clearly they were outnumbered on that play and um, and you know Michigan blew it up. And, and by the way, they had a linebacker who shot the gap and dumped uh, you know, dumped Henderson for, for a loss or stopped him at the line of scrimmage. And, you know, that's another reminder of what we don't have on that side of the ball, because we just, we didn't have a linebacker that we all year that could make a play like that. The other thing, Paige, when you were talking about play calling, where did the bubble screens go? Right. If you're having trouble running the ball, then why don't you do those bubble screens to Jackson Smith and Jigba, to uh, Garrett Wilson, that going to get, get you seven, eight yards almost every time. And they, you know, they always make that first man miss. Um, I would have thought we would have seen a little bit more than that. And to your point, yeah, he did day turtled up a little bit, I thought. And we've seen him do that before. He did in the Big Ten title game last year with with Northwestern. He he did it in the national semifinal game back in 2019 against against Clemson. I thought he turtled up a little bit, especially in the red zone. Um, so I, I think there definitely should there's there's some criticism for day for sure in some of the play calling now it didn't help that your offensive line had five false starts and and put you behind the chains including one in the red zone right you were you were third and three and then a damn false start puts you at third and eight you have to settle for a field goal you also had chris olave drop a touchdown pass uh on that first it was red behind zone him. it was behind it was him behind but something him. he should catch that's chris olave he makes that catch most of the time i agree you know, not every, it's Michigan, it's snowing, it's, you know, high stakes game. Not everything can be right on the money. Uh, you know, with respect to Wilson and whether he should stick around, it's hard to fire him when you finish the season with the number one offense in the country, which Ohio State will finish with by far the number one offense. When did in the our country. defense finish, Zach? Like, like, Fifty first, um, yes. You know, not even that high, is it? Yeah, let me go back I mean, and find even... those numbers. Yeah, because there are some numbers that uh, that I think it's are worth mentioning awful. here. Here they are. So after 12 regular season games, these are Ohio State's uh, defensive uh, stats. These are their national rankings in, in some key defensive categories. 51st in total defense, 96th in passing yards allowed, 75th nationally allowing plays of 10 yards or more, and 73rd in red zone defense. Those are the numbers that stand out to me. Listen, there is no reason Ohio State should be ranked in the lower half of the FBS in those defensive metrics. It's inexcusable. Absolutely not. Like, why is that not like just a, a huge, I, I would get like my staff and, and I, I wouldn't let them leave. I don't care. It's fucking two weeks until we figure out what is the problem. Well, I mean, yeah, the, but they don't know what the problem is because if they knew what the problem is, they would solve it. And that's why they all got to go. 
Every yeah. freaking one of them. Oh, I'm with you, bro. Yeah. Let yeah. him roll. You know, I'm sorry. You know, it's like, okay, overreact and, you know, but for the amount of money these guys are making, it's, it's just not, it's not, it's a results business and the results, those numbers will tell you that we don't even need to see those numbers. We saw it with our own eyes. They all need to be gone. And like for the life of me, after that first drive, you know, uh, in the second half by Michigan, you know, it's like, you know what, Burke, you're a five-star kid. You can, you, you take that guy, right? Just go back to sandlot football and go one-on-one. I'm putting 10 guys in the box and I'm going to make McNamara beat them. Right. Right. And they never did that. Hmm. They never adjust, you know, and it, and if, if, if a guy goes by Burke and McNamara makes the pass, then Tip your hat to him, you right? Know? Which he did. He actually made some some pretty big throws downfield. He did, at times, but he but... didn't make enough to win. Dude, right. they passed the ball five times in the second half. Think about that. Yeah, five times. Yeah, McNamara I mean, finished. It... He only finished with nineteen pass attempts, and most of that was in the first half. <laughs> uh, One hundred fifty nine yards passing for McNamara, but it's boy, it did seem the, the completions he did have. He did have completions of thirty one, thirty seven, and thirty four of those 159 yards. So he did hit Ohio State a few, three different times for pretty big pass plays, uh, over 30 yards. You can't yards. be afraid of that. Then yeah. you know what though? It's the same It's the same analogy, like, you know, the basketball analogy. If a guy makes five three-pointers in the, in the first half, say, fine, you did it. Let me see you do it for the rest of the game. And if you do, then I'll live with it. Yeah. They never made him do that in the second half. They, obviously, they passed the ball five times. Right. So, you know. Kind of like I did it to fight a lot. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, and, and again, the linebackers were non-existent. Yeah. They're just not there. Yeah. Um, and I watched a teeny bit of the Alabama-Auburn game. Uh, I don't even know how I could even stomach the will to watch football after that high state game. But like you just watch those linebackers were making play. Oh yeah. Play. Auburn's linebackers, especially man. Oh Oof. my God. Yeah. I was just like, uh, I mean, our, ours are like high school kids come and they're like the NFL. It was right. just, it was such a contrast. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, I, I watched that game as well. And Auburn's in particular, uh, would play with the playing with speed and ferocity and explosive. I mean, when they hit ball carriers, ball carriers go down, right? And you know, never out of position. Yeah. Uh, definitely a contrast. I noticed that as well. Okay, so look, look, we're we're bouncing around here a bunch. We're going offense, defense. Let's yeah. let's focus this conversation a little bit. Paige, you've already kind of started down this road. What is Ryan Day's number one priority this offseason, as you see it? Number one priority: fire everybody except Heartline. <laughs> I'm, I, Fire them all. <laughs> Give me, I mean, I, I, okay. And that might be hyperbolic, but make an argument why he shouldn't do that. First of all, Alfred, you can't get rid of that guy. He's a great running backs coach. All right. Well, he might leave um, anyway to go be the head coach of Colorado state. We'll see about that. Right. Go ahead. Yeah. But you know what, if that happens, it's not going to affect decisions of any other like running backs come to Ohio state. You know what I mean? They're not going to go to Colorado state. It just uh, ain't happening. Unless they're like a B-list player. <clears throat> But Larry Johnson, you can't get rid of Larry. Yeah. Yes, I can. I, I can get rid of him. I do not agree. He develop, He doesn't have anything to do with the defense, I don't think. Oh, okay. All right. All the defense. Let, let's do this. Let's do this. I'm looking at Ohio State's coaching staff right here on the Ohio State website, the athletic website. Let's go down the list here. You guys tell me if they stay or go. All right. So Ryan Day, obviously, he's staying. He's not going anywhere. Larry Johnson stays or goes. Chad? Stay. Stay. Paige? I, he, he goes. I'm sorry. If they're not a Bosa, the guy, yeah. Uh, you know, Sawyer, Smith, 
bust. Like those guys didn't perform. Harrison, he was like a top 10 recruit. The guy is non-existent. I don't, I don't understand the, you know, maybe at one point he's long in the tooth, you know, if it's maybe he's lost his touch in a business, I'm not seeing it. Okay. All right. Kerry Combs. I think we all agree. He goes, right. He goes. Okay. Al Washington. I think we all agree. He goes, I don't know what, what he's done, what he's accomplished here at Ohio State. Chad, would you agree? Washington stays or goes? Beat it, Terry. <laughs> Tony Alford, I think, you know, he's earned the he right to stay. stick around. He's, he's okay, he can stay. All right. Brian Hartline, stay. obviously he stays. Greg Stodarwa. <laughs> Gone. You Beat th- it. Yep. Gone. Okay. Yeah. I think there's the, the word around the camp. Not a lot of folks are, are super uh, pleased with Stud. And um, there's a, a quite a few stories out there about him not really kind of doing the work that needs to be done on the recruiting trails. And uh, you have to wonder, yeah, um, with, well, I, with, I mean, but like the recruits, we, like, I don't know, man, like <laughs> we've got some big time of, that's true. Linemen. I, I just don't, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't know what's going on there with that. Whatever. Was it his call? Was it his call to shuffle what was a, a pretty good offensive line the way that they did? I mean, you had a pretty good combination at tackle with Nicholas Petit for a right tackle last year and Thayer Mumford at left tackle. I mean, it seemed like every Sunday I was looking up and there was a PFF graphic of like, you know, best tackle combination in the country, only gave up one pressure. So it seemed like they kind of screwed up a good thing by by moving Mumford to left guard and a petite to left tackle so that Dewan Jones could start at right tackle. I don't know. I think we can kind of say hindsight now, uh, you know, yeah, didn't work, didn't work. Yeah. Right. And who does that fall to? Stud. Yeah. Uh, okay. So stud, like, we think, like, wouldn't that like, wouldn't we, wouldn't we, shouldn't we have realized that, you know, after like the third, fourth game? Yeah. Like, all right, maybe this isn't like, you know, working out like we thought we, you know, we've got some great athletes on the offensive line, but you know what? Let's just go back to our natural positions and just beat some people down. Yeah, no. yeah. They and they have got they have some really good natural guards, interior linemen that they could have they could have started, um, and uh, they went with the lineup that they did, and there were mixed results to say the least. Okay, Kevin and, Wilson. Yeah, and Miller Miller being out really hurts. I mean, especially Michigan. How many like why, how many like botched snaps did he have? Yeah, there was two. There was two by Whipler. Although I think Whipler's played pretty well this season. It was weird to see him. Hey, look, he's a redshirt freshman in his first Michigan game. Let's not forget how many of those well, kids get your shit together, were playing man. in their first Michigan game. Okay. All right. So Kevin Wilson stays or goes? Paige? I think Wilson needs to go. And I think he needs to go for a couple reasons. But one of them is I think you need to be careful what's going to happen to Heartline. And I think Heartline needs more responsibility. And again, I don't think you need Day and Wilson. So Wilson, let him go. You give Heartline a promotion to, I don't know, you know, co-offensive coordinator. Let's see what that guy can do. Because to me, he's the heir apparent, you know, like we don't know what Day is going to do, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. there's rumors out there, you know, for Chicago. I don't think he's leaving right now, but there could be a, a, a situation here very shortly where day does go. And I think Heartline's the guy that you want on your staff. And then I go back to, so that's a long answer. Heartline's or Wilson goes. Heartline okay. Stays. Okay. How about you, Chad? Does Wilson stay or go? I'm torn on this, man. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> if you, if you put a gun to my head right now, goes. Yeah, guys, they have the number one offense in the country. I know not everything went perfect against See, Michigan, but saying. it's really that's hard to fire Kevin Wilson as your offensive coordinator when you finished with the number one offense in the country in a bunch of different statistics. Is he the okay. offensive coordinator, though, or is Ryan? Day? I mean, Day calls plays. He designs the offense. His title is technically offensive coordinator and tight ends coach. 
Secondary coach Matt Barnes, now obviously his responsibilities changed midseason. He called the defense. I personally think Matt Barnes has earned the right to come back. I think he did a decent job slapping a Band-Aid on their defensive issues. Um, I, I think he should come back in a you know in a different capacity. He's certainly not ready to be calling plays. I think they need to hire a bona fide defensive coordinator. But I have no problems with Barnes coming back. Paige, what do you think? Yeah, I agree with that. Okay, and you? How about you, CP? Gone. Wow. Okay, you want to just nuke him? All right, Mickey Marotti, assistant AD, director of football, strength coach. Paige, All right, this isn't even a like this isn't even a question. I'm sorry, guys. And I can't even believe we're asking this. And I can't even believe that Paige gets on his shit about the 1.5. He's worth every penny of it. If you read everything that guy does from like all of that, the training to like the recruiting, man, that, that dude is a integral, integral yeah. piece to that program. Yeah, I agree. No I, way I, you get rid of him. He's the best in the business. Paige? Says who? How, how do you know he's the best in the business? Dude, I'll go down to Lifetime Fitness and get two <laughs> schmucks that, that can be the strength and conditioning coordinator as much. Dude, those guys are a dime a dozen. He makes almost a million dollars a year. That is the most absurd thing I've ever heard. And you know, I, it, it's not that hard Max. to set your alarm clock at 4:30 to get guys out of bed to go lift weights. I'm sorry, it isn't. Oh, don't eat hot dogs for lunch have a kale salad that is not rocket science i this infatuation with marathi is like borderline lunacy you could get a reese's monkey that could do this job and they pay him a million dollars a year and by the way that is the how most the insane comment i've ever heard they got pushed around and you know i, I love the line by gaddis he said it's a finesse team Guess yeah. where that falls? That falls on your strength and conditioning coordinator. And by the way, he was right. They pushed us around. So he can stay, but he, I'll, I'm going to pay him $125,000 a year because that's what those guys are worth. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, look, I, I, I agree with Chad on this. I think Marathi stays. I, I think, Paige, maybe you're, you're oversimplifying his role just a little bit. I mean, uh, Doug Lee Maurice called him the, the, the head coach of the offseason, Marathi. He's the one that kind of keeps this team, uh, you know, together during the offseason and on course during the offseason. I think he's... I understand they got pushed around by Michigan. I don't necessarily know that they and got Oregon pushed around. And Penn State. Yeah. But it has nothing to do with him. Oh, but he's the he's the coach in the offseason. All right. Well, okay. Well, I could do that job. I'll do, you know Every what? I'll do that SEC job. SEC coach out there tried to get Mariotti to come join their program. Yeah. So, I mean, that says Beat a lot it, right Mickey. there. I don't care. <laughs> Corey Dennis. All right. <laughs> Corey Dennis. Oh, you're so fine. You'll blow my mind. Hey, Mickey. Corey Dennis, quarterback's coach. This is Isn't this Urban Meyer's? Uh, son-in-law, if I'm not yeah. not mistaken. I mean, Paige stays or goes? I, I mean, I have no idea. I don't even know. Well, do you guy. need to pay a quarterback's coach when you have Ryan I, Day? He's the that's, quarterback's coach. That's my, Kev, that's my Kevin Wilson argument. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, yeah. maybe you do. I, I, I know I, D- Doug Lee Maurice was really critical of this hire when, when they added him to their staff. Because, right, you, you can only have a limited number of full-time on-the-field coaches at Ohio State. And, and Corey Dennis has absorbed one of those roles. Now, look, the quarterbacks have played very well. Right. I mean, you got what, uh, three straight uh, Big Ten quarterbacks of the year. Uh, you know, uh, CJ Stroud won the offensive player of the year in the Big Ten. So you have to give him a little credit, I suppose, Corey Dennis, for for contributing to Stroud's development. Well, and but but I don't know. I mean, I think when you got Ryan, it seems a little redundant, right? If you've absolutely. got Ryan Day, I don't know. Yeah. What do you think, Chad? 
I don't know, man. Like I, you know, everything I was reading about this, our, our new commit out of, you know, Devin Brown, this kid's a stud and uh-huh. Corey Dennis, uh, was heavily involved with that. Recruiting. Okay. All right. So like right before he committed, he had an in, uh, in-house visit with Corey Dennis, who basically got this all started in the first place, but with Ryan day, Corey Dennis, and then with uh, big lane Kiffin down there for old Miss, And then uh, he chose Ohio state. So I don't know, man, like, I mean, he can't be making that much money. Okay. Uh, so I, I, I say keep CD, Corey Dennis, yeah. keep, keep him in the fold. Okay. All right. So Corey Dennis stays. I I think for the record, I, I've only got one coach on the offensive side of the ball that I qu- have questions about, and that's to draw well. Uh, I'm fine with with Dennis sticking around. The Now, the special teams coordinator, Parker Fleming, this is the guy who was elevated to a full-time you know coach when Greg Madison retired. So rather than going out into the open market to get an experienced defensive mind, you know, an accomplished, you know, a, a guy with credentials, um, Ryan Day instead elevated Parker Fleming to special teams coordinator. This is a guy who's got an offensive background. He does not have a defensive background at all. And this is, you know, High State carried only four defensive assistants into the 2021 season. And I think therein lies the issue with the defense. I mean, that's probably at the root of the problems. I mean, you know, Fleming was at Texas State and James Madison previously. Why is this guy a full-time coach? Why is he one of the guys that- I gotta be honest with you, I I don't understand. I I felt our special teams is one of our bright spots this year. Yeah, that's a good point. The kicking Uh, game was pretty good. They weren't great against Michigan, but they were- uh, No, they weren't. But like, what what part of our game was good against Michigan? I, I don't even know if they even got off the bus, actually. I think they're- Physical bodies got off the bus, but their brains, their minds, <laughs> like everything else inside that body, just stayed on the bus. I'm not cool. like, <laughs> All right, I don't know. What do you think, Parker Flummer stays or goes, Paige? I have no idea who that person is. So (laughs) special teams coordinator, right? Just get rid of him. If I don't know who he is, you got to get rid of him. (laughs) It's the bigger point, right? Like, you know, and I I keep texting you guys. I'm like, it's now been 96 hours. What has he done? Like, are are we going to make any changes? Because, well, here's the thing though. Like we talked about earlier, I think like, you know, Z alluded to like, you know, I think all of us did, but like, He's not going to do anything until, you know, I, I feel like the early signing period. They're still in the middle of the season. They still have another game to play, at least one more postseason game to play. I, I don't know what they can do. I mean, my guess is he's probably started conversations. I'm sure he started shaking trees and oh, finding yeah. out who's available out there. I, look, my... Yeah, there's agents been... So, so Paige, you're... Obviously, I think we all agree. Ryan Day's highest priority this offseason is is having a good, close, hard look at his coaching staff, primarily on the defensive side of the ball. I think we agree on that. Personally, I think hiring a bona fide defensive coordinator, whether it's the next boy genius from the NFL who maybe isn't a household name yet, or someone who's done it before. I know Chris Ash is available. We had Ash here as a defense coordinator under uh, Meyer, and he did very well. Whatever the case. You know, they have to find somebody to run the defense, a, a, a guy with credentials. And then I'd say beyond that, they need to find somebody in the linebacker to, to get the linebacker room in order. I mean, it's a muddled mess of mediocrity in that room right now. I've seen enough from Al Washington. It, it, at one point, you know, it didn't seem like the, the linebacker position was all that important. I mean, you hear our, our good buddy like Doug Maurice and some of the other guys that we we pay attention to talk about how the game has changed and the importance of the linebacker position is kind of diminished in, in the modern game that's pass heavy. Well, look, I mean, you know, 
if Michigan is going to, you know, if they're, they're going to go through a renaissance here, uh, all of a sudden linebacker play is, is important again. Um, now they've got a difference maker in CJ Hicks joining the program in 2022. So that's a real positive, but man, let's make sure we've got somebody who doesn't mess up his development. I mean, we've, we've got two misses in a row now with old uh, Bill Davis and now uh, Washington. Uh, this is a this is a position that's important again now with with Michigan reemerging as a contender in the Big Ten East. So those to me are should be Ryan Day's highest priorities uh, this offseason. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. I'm being hyperbolic, right? Like <laughs> fire them all, but I'm not. I, actually, I think like five of them need to go. Yeah. Um, Go give me a Brent Venables right now. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I mean, that'd be great, but you know, I. I I don't think he's leaving Clemson. I mean, he and you know, I don't either. He and Dabo Sweeney are he's, are, he's on a are married. ship down there with Dabo. Yeah, well, they're rebuilding them. Too. And you know, and I guess that's kind of a good point of reference, right? I mean, look at the struggles over there down there, at Clemson. Uh, you know, yeah. Alabama hasn't been perfect. I'm certainly of the opinion that they're going to be eliminated from the playoff. Uh, at, you know, after this Saturday, so we're not I the just, only powerhouse that's struggling. I'm just so sick of having a weak ass defense man yeah i mean we used to have some bad bad linebackers in columbus man yeah you know like we got that reed caracos and like the, you know there, there's some there's some ballers in there that they're they're, they're just young you gotta develop them and, and you know what song you got just we've got some players on defense man they just got to like be coached by a defensive coordinator not matt brown and not Kerry Combs or Matt Barnes, whatever the fuck his name is. I just want a defense, man. That's all. Is yeah. that too much to ask? No, it's not too much to ask. And there's no reason why Ohio State can't have a top 25 defense, you know, nationally in all the, the metrics that matter, right? There's no reason for th- that they can't. And how many years did that go back, Z? Well, they had a good defense in 2019. Uh, they struggled in 2018. So this is, well, you know, three of the last after- four years. Um, that, that they've struggled defensively. They haven't really been up to the standard. Um, and, and, and I said this on Sunday's pod, look, I mean, Ryan Day has to, to make defensive excellence a priority this offseason. That's got to be his number one priority. And there's no reason not to. He's got the personnel. He's got some kids that can play for sure. Uh, you know, you're telling me at Jack Sawyer and JT Tui Malowau and, you know, kid like CJ Hicks joining them next uh, next year. And, you know, you have some young defensive players who, who showed us a little something this uh, this year, but Burke, uh, Ronnie Hickman. So they've got some kids that can play. They just need to be coached up. But it makes me super nervous, right? Like we're hanging all our hopes on a kid that's coming in next year to like make an impact. Yeah, that can't be the plan. I mean, unless he's Andy Katzenmoyer. Right. You know? No, that can't be the plan. Um, that should never be the plan. There. The, the, that should never Melton, Cody Simon, mm-hmm. you got Reed Carico, Eichenberg. But then like, why I mean, didn't I I mean why didn't they because they're see the field? Why did they get beat out by a running dude? back? Yeah. Well, so I mean, I think the, the problems at linebacker yeah. are rooted in, I think, two bad hires at at uh, linebacker coach with Bill Davis and Al Washington, and then some some down recruiting years. Namely, 2018. I mean, the the 2018 class, that crop of linebackers that came out of the 2018 class, not panning out at all. Two of them transferring out in the middle of the year. And then Taraja Mitchell, who in September was a starter, but by November he was unplayable. I mean, that that explains everything you need to, that tells you everything you need to know. So you, you go out and you get the right hire to coach the linebackers. You look at the portal, right? 
There could be an impact player there. And then, yeah, you hope you get uh, an impact freshman in, in Hicks who can come in right away and contribute. So, Paige, you, I think you've already given us your grade, but I'd, I'd be interested to know how each of you would grade Ryan Day and this Ohio State team for the regular season. Paige, why, you started down this road with an F. Is that your final grade for this season? I said it. I'm going to stick by it. I mean, I don't – I. <laughs> they beat some bad teams, you know, when they played good teams, they lost. Um, I don't think he did a great job coaching. I don't think he. Um, so in your mind, it's pass fail, right? It's look, this team is national championship or bust. No, every it's year, playoff or bust. Playoff, playoff or bust. And it's a pass fail grade. And in your mind, right. they failed. Okay. I, and and by the way, like had they not lost to Oregon, you know, and they, you know, lost to Michigan as a one loss team. They're sitting there at five and they could weasel their way in there. When they played good teams, they either lost or they didn't play very well. Hmm. And outside of Michigan State, where, you know, that was, I don't know what happened that game where they looked like best team in a decade. Uh, they, they just didn't look very good. And I just don't think he, I, more than that, I just don't think he did a good job coaching this team, right? I mean, hmm. I give him credit for making the changes that he did, you know, demoting Combs and trying to figure out the defense, but you know why you you shouldn't be in that position to begin with if you're a high state and I, you know i i just don't think it was his best effort this year um and yeah sure you got a freshman quarterback but yeah it's a little harder to coach a high state when you don't have justin field so i, I you know it's a pass it, it it's a d or an f for me for sure so somewhere between a d and an f for you okay fair enough chad how about you how, how would you grade the 2021 regular season for ryan day and the buckeyes I wish it would have never happened. <laughs> I mean, I say that like, you know what I mean? Like I, I'm, I mean, I feel like we're all so passionate about like you know, black guy football and, you know, after, you know, that Oregon game, I felt like we were maybe going to figure some things out, but obviously we really didn't. Mm -hmm. And, so you know, mm -hmm. like Paige said, if we would have like, you know, beat Oregon. I wouldn't want this team to play Georgia. <laughs> no way. Hmm. Okay. Um, I mean, that's just my opinion. But like overall, if you're going to ask me, I, it's a 100% major fail. So you give them a straight F, huh? Straight F. Okay. All right. Leave my classroom. <laughs> okay. I, I'm not quite as uh, down on this Ohio State team as you guys are. I mean, I was certainly disappointed in the immediate aftermath of the Michigan game. And there were some things that we saw in that game that were troubling and very disappointing. Um, but I also think there were some extenuating circumstances there. I think uh, there was a motivated Michigan team and Ohio State had given them additional motivation, right? Above and beyond what you would, you know, the, the motivation that comes with playing your rival for the division championship in a spot in the Big Ten title game and a, probably a spot in the playoffs. Um, but I mean, think of how many underclassmen played key roles for Ohio State this season. On offense, you've got a redshirt freshman quarterback in Stroud. True freshman and Henderson is your starting tailback. True sophomore and Jackson Smith and Jigba, who was your leading receiver. A true freshman starter at 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 uh, center in Luke Whipler. Sorry, redshirt freshman in Luke Whipler's case. Uh, when Harry Miller got hurt, Whipler had to step in as a redshirt freshman and start for them. A true sophomore and Paris Johnson Jr. starting at guard for you. On defense, the youth is even more striking. Of the 11 defensive players who led Ohio State in snaps this season, seven of them are underclassmen. 
Number one, Ronnie Hickman led, led them in snaps defensively, true sophomore. Denzel Burke, second in snaps played, true freshman. Bryson Shaw, third, redshirt sophomore. Cody Simon was fifth in snaps played, true sophomore. Lathan Ransom, sixth in snaps played, true sophomore. Tommy Eichenberg was 10th as a redshirt sophomore. And Steel Chambers, 11th as a redshirt sophomore. And he was a freaking running back a year ago. So think of all that youth. It's a lot of youth. Think of how many of those kids were playing their very first Michigan game. Right. This is the first time them any of them had played in that game. Doug Lee Maurice mentioned it. He 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 actually mentioned something on the Buckeye Talk pod that I thought was really striking. Of the 15 players that led Ohio State in snaps against Michigan, only four of them are from the state of Ohio. Right? Only four of them had played in weather like that. Only four of them had steeped in the Michigan rivalry, probably hated Michigan from the time that they were kids, right? The other eleven. You know, out of state, many of them not played in cold weather games before. Lay Maurice made a really good point. He said, look, when when the going got tough and you had to you had to draw on something other than, you know, your talent or, you know, your coaching, you had to dig down deep. You know, how many of those kids could, you know, tap into their hatred of Michigan to help them find that that next gear, that next level? Well, only four of them of the of the 15 that played the most snaps in that game, which I thought was really interesting. I hadn't thought of that. So look, with that much youth and inexperience on this team, and that's a lot. I mean, all those names I just listed. I mean, 10 and 2, more than likely a Rose Bowl berth. You finish with the best offense in the country, the Big Ten Offensive Player of the Year, and CJ Stroud is probably a Heisman finalist. Now, assuming Chris Olave plays in the bowl game, very likely they're going to finish with three receivers over a thousand yards. A running back and Trey Henderson, who broke Maurice Claret's freshman single season record for touchdowns, and Archie Griffin's single game freshman rushing record. I'm giving him a B, not a solid B. What? I'm giving him a B for this season, like an My 80, just God above, just above a B minus. I think you guys I don't, you know, you, you guys need to. You, I think your your perspective's a little a little out of whack. I think an well, F. Yeah, but the, you, you, I, you, you guys are a comment like about like well, you know what? That's like. Just the start. You guys would be a little hard, season. I think, on this team when you consider uh, it their but that's youth. That's the season. Yeah. I, I, I thought we were going to, like, you know, play for the national championship this year in, in back in September. Yeah. But look, well, we were an epic fail. And the, the comment about the young uh, guys. 10 and I mean, 2 and a Rose Bowl berth is not an epic failure. I understand we have higher standards than that mm-hmm. at Ohio State. That is not an epic failure. That is far from an epic failure. Yeah, but <laughs> far from it. And by the way, they did beat, beat some good teams this year. They destroyed. They beat Michigan State, the committee's number twelve by seven touchdowns. They beat a good, solid Purdue team. Beat them. Beat them like a drum. Uh, so they did beat some good teams this year. Uh, but the, clearly, they're a flawed team. Kicked by a shitty Michigan but, and shitty Oregon team. That's right. So well, I, we're I think, you know we're a flawed team to be sure. We have it. We have had issues in the co- among the coaching staff to be sure that we just talked about them. We got a ton of young guys playing meaningful roles for the first time in their. Entire career. So, I mean, looking back on it now, 10 and 2 in a Rose Bowl berth, yeah, that's probably about right given what this team is, given the total composition of this team. You know, Z, I'm not like, the, I'm usually the most positive one, I think, like out of all of us, but like, it just, you know what? I guess maybe that the F was a little harsh. And, <laughs> but I, you know, I'm, I'm really disappointed, man. And, and I go, I always go back to, last year's national championship 
right nothing changed to, so to that yeah. to me that just burned like that that gets a, a, a just really that was a fail I mean, there, i'm not going to excuse that i mean ryan day look he got off on the right foot when he became head coach he went out and hired jeff halfley right that was a great hire right halfley killed it the defense was great now he had some awesome personnel obviously chase young and jeff okuda and those guys but halfley was great and then you know he parlayed that into a head coaching job at bc and he's doing really well at bc um, but since then, I'm not going to defend Ryan Day's choices uh, for his defensive coaching staff. I, I, I'm not going to defend that. That was a failure on his part. Now he can learn from that. You know, he can he can make changes. What he does this offseason will determine the rest of his coaching career at Ohio State. I, I firmly I, believe that, that. I, dude, I agree with that. 100%. I do too. This yeah. is one. This is the come to Jesus moment for Mr. Yeah. Day. This is his like you make the right decision now or you know you're so, so, so there's a similar to, there's to, a to similar cross i think he's at a similar crossroads to where urban meyer was after the 2013 season if you remember now urban meyer is kind of like the honeymoon is over loss it was the 2013 big 10 championship game right he went into that game undefeated one game away from the bcs title game and you know ohio state laid an egg against michigan state as we all remember michigan state goes on to win the big 10 goes on to the rose bowl high states denied a shot uh, at the national title game we well, remember they had defensive issues on that team they were playing really soft coverage uh you know they they had a, a leaking sieve at the back end of their defense uh, because of the injury to uh, the, the starting safety that year, whose name escapes me, he's a Glenville kid, if I'm not mistaken. Anyway, but they had Von Bell sitting on the bench who just wasn't ready. So that offseason, Urban Meyer went out, hired Chris Ash, put pressure on his defensive coaching staff to get his young guys ready to play faster, right? Because he was that was a big issue. The whole Von Bell question was like, you have a, you have a kid there who could have been the solution, but he wasn't ready. And Meyer's like, enough. Our young guys need to get ready to play faster. So I think Day's in a really similar situation. His first, my honeymoon is over, loss to Michigan. It cost Ohio State everything this season. He's got defensive issues that need to be addressed with his staff, with their philosophy, with scheme, that sort of thing. So let's see what he does, you know? I think it's very similar crossroads. If you if you look at his overall track record so far, what Ryan Day has done, and you compare it to to you know to Urban Meyer, I mean, see he's lost four games at Ohio State, Clemson in the playoff, Alabama in the national title game, uh, you know, a solid Oregon team, you know, with an injured quarterback, a young team. I mean, I can almost, I don't want to excuse it away, but it's somewhat understandable when you consider how young Ohio State was. You know, uh, C.J. Stroud's injured shoulder. And then this Michigan loss. Uh, he's won every other game. And he's got Ohio State, you know, back-to-back uh, playoff appearances, back-to-back Big Ten titles. So uh, I, I don't want to make excuses. I don't want to deny you guys your frustrations. I totally understand it. I'm not saying you shouldn't be frustrated. I'm not saying our expectations should be higher. But um, I, I think it is important to have a little bit of perspective too. Like we still got it pretty good. Yeah. No, I've got the, and, and that's all true. Um, but on, on the, the flip side of that is, you know, the, the, um, the talent discrepancy on that team screams yeah. coaching deficiencies, right? I agree. They, they cannot in, in some categories, either by PFF or by the eye test, Mikey's two favorite ways to evaluate <laughs> a team, it, you know, it, it just, there's something systemically wrong there. 
And yeah. he's got to, he's got to address it or it's, it's going to get ugly. It's going to get ugly quickly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to disagree with that. That is where he needs to turn his focus uh, on, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Whew, Anything else you guys want to say about, about Michigan? It's like a therapy session. <laughs> All right. So real quick, what's going to happen this weekend? Uh, first of all, here's the, are you going to watch the games? Are you guys yes. going to pay attention? Paige, yes for you. How about you, Chad? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. 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 For sure. Of course. Hey, but we love, we love college football, right? After this yeah, weekend, there's the is. bowls, there's the playoff, and then, then it's an, a nine month wait, which is going to drive us all crazy. Um, yeah. So, all right, real quick, let's, let's just look at the rankings here. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm really curious to get your take. So we've got Georgia, Michigan, one and two. Alabama and Cincinnati, they round out the top four. You, just on the outside, you've got Oklahoma State at five, Notre Dame at six, who's not playing, right? And then Ohio State at seven. So Georgia is about a touchdown favorite to beat Alabama in the SEC title game. Who do you guys like in that game, Chad? I, I like Georgia, but I feel like this is just one of those years where they've all counted from the saving out, and I feel like they might just win. PBH? I really like. Okay. I, I, I kind of agree. Okay. I, it's... Huh. I wouldn't bet against old Nick in this game, especially with the points. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to say this probably maybe going against my better judgment. I think George is going to kill him. I, I think, I think Bama has been cruising for a bruising all year. They've been, you know, they flirting with disaster. Auburn, right. They, they should have lost that game. Yeah. They should have lost. <laughs> they should have lost. They should, they, they easily could have lost to LSU. They could have easily lost to Florida. Um, Arkansas took That's them down the to the wire. So they didn't lose. They didn't lose. This is a different animal. Georgia in Atlanta. I just have a feeling Georgia's going to handle them. I could be wrong. And you guys are right to, to, to pay deference, uh, to show deference to Nick Saban for sure. But I like Georgia in that game. I like him big. Michigan, Iowa. This is the one I'm going to be watching with great interest. It's going to pain me a little bit to, at the start of the game to see Michigan out there instead of Ohio State. But I don't know. CP, who, who do you like in this game? I actually think Iowa's going to win the game. Wow. Wow. Okay. Um, why do you think that? Well, I feel like Michigan's just coming off at this big high, and I feel like Iowa will lull them to death, and it's going to come down to the fourth quarter, and Iowa's going to win by a field goal. Wow. It's well, the line sleeping. Okay. The line is Michigan is minus line, 11. My, Michigan minus 11. The over-under is 43 and a half. This, again, the game is played, as we know, in Indianapolis and in Lucas Oil Stadium. So you like Iowa by a field goal. You think you think that maybe they just catch Michigan with a, the, like a big game hangover? Maybe I, I feel like they do. Like, you know what? And maybe that's probably just me, like, wishful thinking because I, you know. Okay. But I'm going to stick with it. Okay. All right. Paige, how about you? Who do you like in this game? I like Michigan and the Ohio State nightmare continues. <laughs> Iowa's not good. Yeah, I agreed. Iowa's not good. And and I think Michigan, uh, I think Michigan rolls them. The, there is a little, there could be a little something there just psychologically for Michigan, just coming off, you know, having cleared this huge hurdle, beating Ohio State for the first time in 10 years. And and maybe there's a little bit of a hangover there because we've seen that from Ohio State, quite frankly, in this game, right? Where they come out against a lesser opponent and the, the lesser opponent pulls out all the stops. And in our case, it was always it's always Wisconsin or Northwestern, and they make it a game for a bit. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a bit of if it's a game. The Michigan style of play, the way they they like to play, the way they like to to ground opponents down, they don't really overwhelm you. 
out of the gates, kind of grind you down. I could see that happening again, but I think Michigan covers and, and wins comfortably. Um, okay. On Friday night, you got Oregon, Utah in a, in a rematch from earlier this year. Utah blew the doors off of Oregon earlier this year. Uh, Oregon's a two and a half point favorite. Do we like Oregon to, uh, pardon me, it's Utah who's a two and a half point favorite. Do, do, do we like Oregon to get revenge on Utah in this Utes game? Utes take down Affleck. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. Yeah, I agree too. I like Utah in that game. Interesting game that could actually be for a playoff spot on ABC, Baylor and Oklahoma State. It's number nine Baylor against Oklahoma State in the Big 12 championship game that's played at AT&T Stadium in Arlington. Okie State is a five and a half point favorite. Over under for this game, 46 and a half. I had to do a double wow. take like for a big 12 championship game. 40. Yeah. Normally. They Oregon, sure, or I mean, uh, Baylor's legit, man. Yeah. Baylor they both play defense. Deep. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Who do you like? Who do you like in this like one? Baylor. I'd like to see Gandhi win this game though, you know, like, but who do you think wins? I'm going to go with Okie state. Okay. You like Okie state page. You like Baylor. I like Baylor too. Yeah. Yeah. And then finally, Cincy, uh, number four, Cincy against number 21, Houston. 11-1 Houston. This game is actually played, this is a home game for Cincy. This is uh, the AAC Conference Championship game, but Cincy gets to host it in Nippert Stadium. Who do we like in this one? Cincy's and a 10 and a, half, 10 and a half point favorite. Yeah, and that's is. the guy that coaches, uh, he left West Virginia. What's his name? Uh, Dana, is it Helgerson? Dana, yeah. Okay. Yep. yep. He's their oh, head coach. He's head coach. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, like, you know, Cincy hasn't been dominant every single Saturday and they've had some close calls on their home in their home stadium. Paige, who do you like in this one? I like Cincy. Yeah. How about you, CP? Yeah, I go with the Bearcats. Yeah, I guess I like Cincy too. I mean, I, I wouldn't put money on Houston <laughs> winning. but That pains you, Z. <laughs> so, all right. I got to ask you guys about this because we kind of talked a little bit about this over text. And then I'll let you guys go. What if there's Armageddon? Right? What if Georgia blows the doors off of Alabama, which I think could happen? Alabama's out. What if Cincy gets upset by Houston and they're sitting there at 12 and 1 with a shit schedule and really hadn't beaten anyone except Notre Dame? What if Oklahoma State loses to Baylor and then you're left with Georgia and Michigan are in and then you have two spots left and your candidates, right, for those two spots? Are a twelve and one Cincy who didn't win their own conference, an eleven and two conference champion in Baylor, an eleven and one Notre Dame who does does not have a win against the committee's top twenty five. And oh, by the way, well, I guess Marcus Freeman is now their head coach, but they have a you know a freshly minted head coach who's never been a head coach in his life in Ohio State. I think if that happens, right? And we know, look, crazy shit happens, right? 1998 happened. Well, that all, oh, yeah, remember that? Remember that, that last Saturday, PBH, you, me, and Sloaner were sitting around your, at your loft watching the dominoes fall out of us. They almost the fell. college football Saturdays ever. So I'll remind the Just listeners what happened out, that day. you guys, I'm sure. I'll re- remind the listeners what happened that, that fall. Ohio State gets upset by Michigan State late, right? In mid-November, they lose to Nick Saban, Spartans. Um, they went out and go on to beat Iowa and Michigan to close out the season, but they're sitting there and they need a ton of help. And they have ranked ahead of them. They've got Kansas State in the Big 12 championship game. Um, They get upset by Texas A&M. 
And then you had UCLA also ranked ahead of him, who, a domino that needs to fall. They had to play a weird makeup game with Miami that was postponed because of a hurricane. It was supposed to happen in September. Instead, it's pushed to late November. Edron James runs all over them, upsets UCLA. That domino falls. So we need one more domino to fall because Florida State had been elevated to number one in the country. Tennessee's sitting there at number two. And they're losing in the fourth quarter of the SEC title game to Mississippi State like midway through the fourth quarter. I mean, we that almost happened to get Ohio State back into the, the mix. Uh, Tennessee ended up going on to win. Of course, we all remember Tennessee beat Florida State to win the national championship that year. And then 2007, remember all those dominoes that fell? Ohio State beats Michigan. Everyone's celebrating. Hey, we're going to the Rose Bowl. All right, that's all right, great. And then all those dominoes fall the last weekend of the season and Ohio State ends up in the national championship game against a two-loss LSU team. So my point is, Stranger shit has happened. If the committee is sitting there with two spots to fill and they have to choose between a one-loss Cincy team, not a conference champion, really hadn't played anybody with a quality win against Notre Dame, but other than outside of that, hadn't played anybody, a two-loss conference champion in Baylor, a one-loss Notre Dame team that hadn't beaten anybody, does not have a win against the top 25, and a new, brand new coach who's never been a head coach before in Ohio State. I mean... That's a conversation. You take Ohio State. I mean that that's. Isn't that, I mean, right. if that happens, reasons, Z, right? that's yeah, a conversation, right? Go ahead, CP. Well, you know, you got obviously it's all about the money, and we we put more like asses in the seats than pretty much other any other team in the country. We've got the most explosive offense. Okay, who wants to you know? Everybody out there wants to watch a team with an offense like that. Now, I'm worried about the other side of that, but, I mean, they'd have to go with Ohio State. It doesn't matter. Notre Dame's already shit the bad what? Like, every time they've been there. Mm-hmm. I mean, they haven't been relevant since the 90s. Since the- well, that's not true. So that's that's not true. I mean, that they've played in a national well, championship game and made the playoffs twice since 2011. They're they're relevant. They they're definitely relevant. Three times. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but they're, they're definitely relevant, relevant. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know what I mean. Right. Okay. That was more for my my Notre Dame fans, like, uh, <laughs> friends that are fans of Notre Dame that I know. Like, I just like to just just put it down and just keep it down there. Like on right. The throw. Right. But yeah, they they you know. They've got a good team this year, I think, as well. But, like, to answer your question based on, like, how you outlined that right there, there's no way, no way that the committee takes anybody if that all happens, which could. You never know. They're going to take us over any of those other teams. I don't know. No matter what. All right. PVH, what do you think? Uh, No shot. Zero. Um, I mean, what if Oregon beats Utah? No, that, so that's but that's that's not part of the scenario. Well, yeah, but he was I've saying been, if those things, yeah, fall. if 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 all these dominoes ahead of them fall, and we've seen stranger shit happen. Actually, there's really only What's two Utah's results. record. What's Utah's record? They've lost three times, and they've already beaten Oregon by 31. Yeah, and they're I, I favored mean, in that game. I mean, it's yeah, I, I give it like 0.01 percent. There's just no way. Well, yeah, and by the way, the last like talking the last, hypothetically, yeah. Well, no, I'm just saying, but, but, if all that happened, the last impression of Ohio State that anybody, all of us have, the committee has, is them getting absolutely embarrassed by Michigan, pushed around. So, um, you know, no, I just don't see it. I think. So they would go. So I, in that I, I scenario, think, they would put like what a, a conference champion, 11, 11 and two Oklahoma State in over Ohio State. 
and they would no, put Notre they put Dame a in a champion Baylor in. Sorry, Baylor. sorry, not sorry, Baylor, Baylor. Yeah. So eleven oh, and two absolutely. Baylor would be in. and that's a, that's a criteria, right? Conference champion. Right? Okay. So, so then yeah. there's one more spot. So Baylor gets in. Now you've got Georgia, it, Michigan, Baylor, and there's one more spot, and that comes down to a one loss Notre Dame team that hasn't beaten anyone in the top twenty five, and a Cincinnati team who's played a weak schedule, not and not even a conference champion. Uh, it's Ohio the State. argument between Notre Dame and Ohio State, and it would be an argument. I. In that, I don't think it that scenario, it's going to Notre Dame. We'll see. I, I mean, that what? that's the thing. I, I don't There's know. No way, dude. I, I think Who's it's a conversation. Notre- I don't know what they'll do, Paige. You make a good point. Would they go with Notre Dame? Would they be justified in putting Notre Dame in as a one with only one loss? Sure, right. But I think it's a conversation. That's the only point I want to make. First of all. There is a way. We can't say there's no way that won't happen because we've seen it happen twice before in recent history. It almost happened in 98. A bunch of dominoes fell on the last weekend. And it ha- it did happen in 2007. So it can happen. And if you look at these results that need to happen, these dominoes that do need to fall, we need Alabama to lose. We need them to lose big. Well, they're a, they're, they're a pretty decisive underdog against Georgia. We've got Oklahoma State would need to go down. They're only a five and a half point favor over Baylor. Uh, Notre Dame doesn't play. Cincy, okay, they're at home with a ten and a half point favorite over, uh, you know, over uh, whoever they're playing. Um, oh, but I mean, it's not like, you know, no, it's not the most. I mean, a this lot could of happen. Have to fall. It could. It could happen. It could happen. No, will I bet not on it happening? Happen. No, I would not bet on it happening. <laughs> and probably most likely, what's going to happen? And so that's the other thing. We're prob- more than likely looking at a field of Georgia, Michigan, Cincinnati, and Oklahoma State. How? I mean, if you look at the the playoff fields that Ohio State has had to contend with, and this is what Michigan gets, they get they're going to get a first round matchup with like Cincinnati. Are you freaking kidding me, dude? Just pencil them into the national championship game. (laughs) I know it's such bullshit. Oh my god! For that for that reason that reason alone, I'm the Rudy, not that we wouldn't anyway. It's just my guts out for Iowa. Just, just <laughs> don't don't let that happen. But I, I think the nightmare will continue. <laughs> you know what? Like I, it will be so great though. Like if I'm on the phone with one of you clowns, like Friday, like around seven o'clock, going, oh my god. I what don't is going, going right now. <laughs> I don't think things I'm not expecting things to go chalk though. I think there's gonna be an upset or two either. that that could make it pretty interesting. I mean Look, I mean, Oklahoma. Some of these, some of these programs here have not have not been this close to a playoff spot ever in their history, and I think there is something to yeah. to be said about having like institution, having that DNA, that championship DNA. Um, so I, I would not be surprised to see at least one of these teams just you know turtle up and and uh, end up <laughs> end up losing and make it. You know, I, I just want to be entertained at this stage, right? I just want to have fun watching these games. That last weekend of the season in 98 and in 2007, those were two of the most fun weekends I've ever had as a college football fan, just watching those games. Oh, uh, those, yeah, th- those were great. <laughs> and then it, just to pour salt in the wounds even more, it's like Michigan gets, at night, like, why don't they get a, a legit 10 and one Wisconsin, right? That's uh, yeah. going to scare the shit out of you, <laughs> right. right? Coming off a massive, you know, rivalry game where it, it's super physical. No, I mean, it, in some ways, God, it's lining up just perfect. Perfect for them. Oh, yeah. Perfect. So, you know, and to those fans that are, and I get it, like, look, if you're not a fan of Ohio State, Alabama, or Clemson, you know, you would be very excited to have all three of those teams out of the playoff. But at the same time, careful what you wish for. I mean, you know, that 
17 to 12 Michigan victory over Cincinnati in that first playoff semifinal. I mean, <laughs> we're going to think to ourselves like, oh my God, I miss Clemson and Alabama. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, fellas. Hey, listen, that, that was a great effort. I think we've exercised some demons, I think. Yes, would you have. say? I feel better. Is everyone feel feeling better. all right? You okay. Know, I- I do feel better, but can we do a little quick shout out to the uh, Ohio State hoops team who came nice from win seventeen point uh, deficit to uh, just dominate the number one team in the country, and we were missing two uh, two starters as well. It's a nice win. So, uh, yeah. yeah, nice win. Nice and win. I'll that, take it. that was a they, they might have found something in that Russell. Yeah. Oh, dude, there was a couple. Like, there's a couple ballers on there. Yeah. Anyways, not to get off track. So I just want no, to no. give a nice shout one. Out I'll take hoop. it. Yeah, it took a little. Yeah. Holtman, Holtman's putting together some nice stuff there in Columbus. At the shot scene. Yeah, well, we'll see about Chris Holtman. I, I you know, I, I he, he's, been, he's been good. He's been good. But uh, dude, he just brought in like the top three recruiting class uh-huh. again. This and year, didn't dude. didn't his team just lose as a two seed? In the uh, in the yes, first round to a 15 seed last year, in the they did. Okay, all right. But, all right, let's end on a high note. End on a high note. Yeah, right. Like, damn it, Z. <laughs> <laughs> all right, boys. Hey, listen. Later. Thanks so much for making the time. All right, have a great night, yeah. and we'll hey, talk guys, in a few weeks. Uh, You've been listening to the South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook and visit our website at southstandsosu.com.